You're listening to the Grace Sermon Podcast with messages from Pastor Chris Twightman and the community at Grace Lutheran Church, Huntington Beach. We're a family church that exists to engage life together and impact our neighborhoods as disciples of Jesus. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org. Now, stay tuned for today's message. Rest. Relaxation. Recreation. These three words encompass our deepest longings as human beings. Rest, relaxation, recreation. Yet most of us struggle to ever fully engage these postures in our daily lives. Instead, our universal orientation as human beings increasingly, as the picture demonstrates, is one of busyness. We are overworked. We're working longer and harder. The average workday is up from eight hours to 10 hours a day. A typical work week is now six days instead of five. Two days off in a row is for some companies considered a fringe benefit of the job. We're overworked and we're overcommitted. If we're not working on the weekend, then the weekend is the time to catch up on our lives. Our calendars are full, right? We have to schedule time. We have to schedule time to get together with family and friends. The question that always comes up, and we're like, yeah, let's get together. The question everybody always, when are you available? It's a frequent question, not because someone is busy right now. We say, when are you available? Because the default is we expect the person is busy all the time. We never slow down. We're always on the go, around the clock. More than 50% of American workers take less than a week of vacation. Less than a week, and nearly 30% take no vacation at all. Mobility, thanks to technology, has blurred the line between the office and the home. We take our work with us, therefore. We take it with us physically, mentally, emotionally. And therefore, we are perpetually exhausted. This accelerated pace of working more leads to sleeping less. The national average is 6.5 hours a night of sleep. By the way, beyond the fact that that's below the recommended, the, the amount that we need, that 6.5 hours of sleep a night is a 25% drop off from the last century. So we begin the day exhausted, right? We can't turn off. We power through the day and long into the night. And this is not the life we were meant to live as human beings. Last week, If you weren't with us, and that's why I gave you this brief review, we were introduced to the deeper meaning of Jesus' invitation to come to him and find rest. We began to consider God's gift of the Sabbath. And today, we're going to go even deeper into a deeper understanding of this rest, this Sabbath, that the Lord intended and made possible for us. And we're going to discover that this is something that he made possible for us, he intended from the very beginning of our existence. You have your Bibles open to Genesis chapter 2, and let me just catch you up before we look at our scripture this morning. It's pretty simple. In the beginning, Genesis, the Spirit of God spoke life into being out of nothingness. Out of the chaos, the Lord brought order and structure to creation. The rhythm of day and night, of the land and the sea, 
of the weather and the seasons, of various forms of life, including ours. By the sixth day, with the creation of humanity, everything appears to be finished. And yet the work of creation remains incomplete. Something more is needed. There is a need for a seventh day. And that brings us to our scripture. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. They're on the screen if you want to read along or you can use your Bible. It reads, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because he rested, on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, what are we to make of this? This description of God taking a breather, of God taking a load off on the seventh day. Now, I mean, if we step back for a second, creating everything on this planet, in this universe, now that's no small task. It's exhausting. Have you ever done this? It's exhausting just to think about all the complexity, diversity, and intricacy of life as we know it let alone to let your mind go and conceive of galaxies upon galaxies that we have yet to discover. It's exhausting. So maybe God just needed a nap. But that's not what's going on here. God, when he ceases from his creative work, it's not because God was all spent. We know this. The author of all being doesn't ever need a refill. The prophet Isaiah perhaps expressed it the most beautifully when he said this, The everlasting God, the Lord, never faints nor is weary, for the creator of everything is the source of all life. God doesn't rest because God is tired. Something else is going on here. And the original sentence structure of verse 2, in what we looked at, the original sentence structure of verse 2 actually teases this out for us. Now, the NIV translation of verse 2 reads like this. You'll see it on the slide. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. This translation, before we move on, is trying to clean up some awkward Hebrew. It's, it's, the sentence structure is awkward here in the original Hebrew, so it's trying to make this clearer for us. But in doing this, and this happens sometimes in our Bible translations, something gets lost in the translation. Now, I can't show it to you in Hebrew, but I can show it to you in what I think is a better translation of this verse from the Hebrew, which is the English Standard Translation. See if you can notice what's different. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the, his work that he had done. Did you catch that? On the seventh day, God finished his work. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wasn't I taught, weren't we told that God ceased from all the work of creation on the seventh day? Go back, the Bible never says that exactly. Instead, if you look at what this is trying to tease out in the original Hebrew, it sounds like God created something else on the seventh day. But what? Ancient rabbis, this is like going back to the first biblical scholars, right? They speculated on this verse, what it might be. What did God create? Because on the seventh day, on the seventh day, God finished his work. What did he finish on the seventh day? And here's what they concluded. What God created on the seventh day was rest. What God created on the seventh day was Sabbath. 
So this is a whole paradigm shift, right? Because what this shows us is the creation of the universe isn't finished with the dawn of humanity. No. Creation is finished. Creation is whole. When the concept, the activity of rest comes into being. God rests so that we can rest. Having spent the first six days preparing creation as a wide open canvas upon which humanity is called to work and play, to cultivate and fill, God establishes the seventh day as as sacred time and space in which we can find and experience rest from all our labor. Physical labor, mental labor, emotional labor, relational labor, otherwise, any kind of labor. This is a space and time for us to be able to find and experience rest. To break this down even further, rest is created by resting. Rest is created by resting. Our creator not only carves out space and sets apart time for rest, God enters into something that is unnecessary for himself as our creator, but that is vital and life-giving for us. So you see, rest is not an afterthought of creation. Both the act of rest and the day of rest, the Sabbath, is what makes all creation whole. Rest is the completion of the order and structure of all life. The Sabbath is the capstone to the organizing principles of creation. To underscore this, notice how verse 3 specifically states God blesses the seventh day and made the Sabbath holy. I don't know if you've ever caught this before, but the Sabbath, rest, is the first thing declared as holy in the Bible. The first thing declared as holy in the Bible. In other words, both the day of rest and the act of rest are sacred. They are set apart for a divine purpose. They are distinctive like no other day, no other activity in all creation. Why? Why is the Sabbath holy? Because in the giving of the Sabbath, God provides us, once again, if you didn't hear me the first time, God provides us with the gift of unique time and space. Both the day and the act of rest as created by God enable us to sense the connection between heaven and earth. The Sabbath, that that space of rest, that act of rest is holy because it enables us to taste the eternal possibilities of the infinite and the everlasting, to taste it in the midst of the repetition of limitations of the finite, in the midst of the humdrum and the melancholy lens by which we so often see our lives and our world. The daily grind, we call it. The big old wheel keep on turning. God creates a unique time and space for us to know that life is, that is not all that life is, that there is more, so much more to life. Both the day and the act of rest as created by God provide a gateway for us to experience the kind of peace that passes all understanding. That peace where our lives aren't measured and valued in doing, but instead where contentment is found in being, in being created in the image of God, in belonging as the children of God, not because of what we earn, not because of what we achieve, not because of what we merit, but belonging as the children of God, created in the image of God, being in that because our Heavenly Father always runs to us 
and welcomes us home. If we truly understood what the Sabbath is, then we cannot say, I don't have time to rest. And ask yourself the last time you said, I don't have time to rest. Observing the Sabbath is realizing we have time. We have time because God has made time for us. In the act of creating the day and the act of rest, God gives us a gift. Crazily, ironically, it's the one gift of God that we continue to ignore. It's like we give it back. But God gives us this gift of both the time and space we need to be renewed, to be recreated. So what I want you to see from the very beginning, the very beginning of our story as as humanity, is that we are literally designed by God for rest. We are literally designed by God for Sabbath. Our creator built into our DNA the need for regular intentional rest. Then God gave us the gift of Sabbath so that we might get the rest we need. And the thing is, modern science, we talked about this last week, and I'm going to be talking about this through this whole series. Modern science increasingly affirms this aspect of our divine design as human beings. This is an absolutely fascinating article from Scientific American in 2013. I'm putting in the date and the title because I would encourage you to read this in full. I'm going to just give you the the skinny, but this is fascinating. And it's a whole article on why our brains need more downtime. And what you'll find if you read this is our brains, according to the latest scientific research, need, not benefit, not, not, not it would be a nice plus, perk, need, Extended times of rest in order to function effectively and efficiently. The word for that is downtime. Our brains need downtime. And the lasting benefits of downtime, how valuable that is just to our brains and our brains impacting the rest of our bodies, the lasting benefits of downtime, it improves our capacity to focus, to pay attention. It improves our sense of motivation. It stimulates creativity, problem-solving, and innovation. That's why, by the way, you get some of your best ideas in the shower. Because your brain is on downtime. Because unless you're a baby, you know what to do when you're in the shower. That's why some of us take long showers. Not just because the hot water feels great, or we don't want to face the day, but because you find yourself... Anyone else get like this? Where you're like, man, I'm like on a roll here. I'm like... I could, I'm writing books, I'm solving problems, what's going on? I wish I could just live in the shower, right? It's downtime. Downtime improves our capacity to focus, to pay attention, to be motivated. It stimulates creativity, problem solving, and innovation, but don't stop there. Downtime promotes stability of memory so that we remember as well as it also makes associations and connections, which also reinforces memory, where we see relationships between things, ideas, people, things that are coming up. I love this quote. I just have one quote for you. The benefit of downtime is it unsticks us in time. It unsticks us in time so we can learn from the past and plan for the future. But in this whole article, and they'll go out on their way actually to say this, which I was impressed by, downtime, rest, is not just about increased productivity. I'm not trying to sell you on you'll be able to do more, though that's a benefit. Actually, 
Downtime is also insanely valuable because downtime is what shapes our moral compass. It solidifies our sense of self. Now, this article represents only a fraction of a new and growing body of multidisciplinary scientific research that demonstrates regular intentional rest, including daytime workouts, short afternoon naps, longer sleeping hours, more time away from the office, and longer, more frequent vacations, not only boosts productivity and job performance, but it actually benefits immensely our health and our character. Beloved, we don't have to keep longing and hoping to find time for creativity, for fresh perspectives and new ideas. We don't have to struggle to carve out space where we can reflect and process, to vent, to let off a little steam, to release any stress we're carrying, to face our worries and our fears, not reactively in desperation when we just can't take them anymore. And that's how most of us are living. Man, I just wish I had the time to be creative, to think of new ideas. I just wish I had the time to reflect and process on my life, to let off a little steam, to just get it out. I wish I had time not to just react to things. I wish I didn't always just get to where I just can't take it anymore and finally I just pop. You don't have to live like that. We don't have to live like that because purposeful space and time have been created for us to enter into so that we can engage our lives, not reactively, but proactively. We can engage our lives rooted in the security and assurance of the abiding relationship of God with us and for us. And therefore, we can find ourselves when we enter into this purposeful space and time unafraid to confess where and how we need to grow even as we find in this space that we are empowered to face our failures and learn from our mistakes. And entering into this space, we learn how to rely on God to provide all we need to mature into our best and fullest selves. I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. This is not a topical sermon series on rest and on the Sabbath. This is essential. This is vital. This is crucial. This is key to our discipleship, to our relationship with Christ, to the life that Christ offers us, promises us. A life, again, as we conceptualize it here at Grace, we talk about it as flourishing. But we can only function this way, optimally flourishing, if we operate according to how we've been designed by our Creator. As human beings, we aren't designed to expend energy continuously. We are meant, we're designed to pulse between spending and recovering energy. But more than this, the creation of Sabbath is an establishment of a specific rhythm in terms of how we pulse between spending and recovering energy. In the beginning, and this is subtle and you can miss it, in the beginning here in Genesis, God began with work and ended with rest. And here's the thing, it's from the rest that the Lord creates for us that we are meant to do our work. In other words, and we don't think this way, our first day as human beings is the Sabbath day. We begin from our rest in God in order to do the work God has called us to do. We rest in order to work. But most of us, 
And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Most of us, practically as well as philosophically, operate in reverse. We perceive, we teach our children, we're told by our employers, we have to work in order to rest. The work has to get done before we can rest. Rest is the reward for our work. I want you to hear me on this if that's where you're living, if that's practically how you live, if that's philosophically what you think. And this is going to hit you right between the eyes. If you think that we have to work in order to rest, if you're living that the work has to get done before you can rest, that rest is the reward for your work, then you are living outside the grace of God. You are functionally living outside the grace of God because thinking this way, acting this way, perpetuating this kind of idea is human life based upon and evaluated on what we achieve, what we accomplish, and what we do. And this is cutting against the grain of God's design for us, that it's all about grace. It's not about what we do. It's not about what we earn. It's not about what we accomplish. It's not about what we do. And the thing is, the lack of this, the sustainability of operating in reverse, going the wrong way in our thinking and in our practice of how we live, ought to be a wake-up call for you and me. Yet we continue to rally against the rhythm of rest. We continue to rally against the rhythm of Sabbath by keeping artificial lights on even when the sun goes down. Darkness, no problem. Turn on the lights. Turn them up. Just because we can, and even though we shouldn't, we perpetuate a world of goods and services available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I think it's like a decade ago, Taco Bell just put it out there and said, there's not three meals a day, there's a fourth meal a day. You're still up after midnight? Come and eat. Television never goes off the air. With online shopping, stores never close. We fight it. We fight fatigue. We fight the natural inclination to rest with all sorts of strategies and energy cocktails, as we talked about last week. But no matter what our pick-me-up of choice is, they're all artificial substitutes for the real thing. No matter how long we keep the lights on, no matter how long the stores are open, no matter how much our live media just keeps running, Eventually, our eyes will close, our bodies will collapse, and we will shut down. This, by the way, that reality of our eyes just finally closing, you know that picture of the person who just collapses at their desk or in their chair? This is the ultimate safety valve, the last resort our Creator has wired into our bodies to save us from ourselves. And yet, there are still those of us who still try to override it. It's like we're hot-wiring our own bodies, right? But here's the thing. As we remain overworked and overcommitted, we keep ourselves in an anxious and depleted state. And our bodies try to help us cope when we're in this anxious and depleted state all the time by making more stress hormones and chemicals that can raise the inflammation in our bodies. Think of it like this. What's hap- what I'm describing is the same thing as if all of a sudden you had to run from a bear. Imagine you had to run from a bear. When you have to run from a bear, those stress hormones that I'm talking about are good because they kick up our speed so we can get away from the bear. 
Those inflammational molecules that I referenced, they're good when the bear's there because it makes us stronger just in case there's a fight with the bear or so we can fight the infection from any injury that might happen with the bear. In the short term, beloved, hear this. These stress hormones and inflammational molecules help us muster the energy we need to cope with whatever is stressing us out and to get through. But here's the thing. We are not designed to run hot like this all the time, to always be running from the bear. And many of us are always running from the bear. In the long term, those good things, all those stress hormones and inflammatory chemicals, in the long term, they start to do more damage than good. They beat up the brain, the linings of the blood vessels. They deposit fat in places they shouldn't, and they skew proper blood sugar control. This is why, by the way, to put this all together for you, and I mentioned this last week, the number one thing that's threatening our health, not cancer, not other, it's stress. This is why so many more diseases become likely when we are overworked and overcommitted. If we work against the grain of how we are designed, if we remain always on the go, only stopping to get back to being functional, and that's what most of us do, we stop just long enough to get back to 10 or 20%, instead of 100% of our capacity, if we remain in a perpetual state of exhaustion and stress, morning, noon, and night, it's not a question of if. It's only a matter of when we are going to break down physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally, and spiritually. So if you've been saying during this message or last week, I can't afford to rest, the truth is you can't afford not to. God's gift of rest isn't the reward for our work. God's gift of rest is what makes any and all of our work possible. We gotta switch, flip the script here. Resting in order to work, not working in order to rest. Resting in order to work is living by the grace of God. It's not living out of our strength. It's recognizing the Lord's strength is our strength. It's recognizing that apart from God, we can do nothing. You can say all you want, and you can post it on your fridge or in your bathroom window, or you can pray all you want, the Lord is my strength. You can tell yourself, you know, apart from the Lord, I can do nothing. You can say that all you want, but if you're working in order to rest, you are not living what you're saying. What you're putting on your fridge, your mirror, what you're praying is a lie. We don't work in order to rest. Living by grace is resting in order to work. And I'm hitting this hard because we dance around this as if it's peripheral. This is core. This is core to our relationship with God. This is core to following Christ. And that's the rub for some of us, right? The rub for some of us is that rest for us means doing nothing. Again, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'll just ask you to ask yourself, how many of us can't sit still? How many of us just cannot sit still? How many of us are addicted to our busyness? Yeah, we're busy, but we like it. How many of us think that doing nothing is a waste of time? How many of you, when you go on vacation, the minute you park the car, are like, all right, what are we doing? What are we doing? Well, we're just going to sit back and read. Read? Sit back? Oh, no. What are we doing? 
Some of you even create spreadsheets and you block out every single time. We're gonna suck the light. We're gonna do the most that we can possibly do. That's the thing. We hear rest, we hear sit still, we hear Sabbath, and we're like, that's doing nothing. And doing nothing is a waste of time. It's boring. The Hebrew word for rest is not a negative concept. The Hebrew word for rest does not mean withdrawing from effort or exertion. A biblical understanding of rest, in other words, is not doing nothing. The Hebrew word for rest is manua. Can you say that? Manuha. Manuha. Manuha is the Hebrew word for rest. And to translate manuha as rest, just that is only to tell half the story. Manuha carries the nuance of rest that is both joyous and peaceful in the sense of being delightful. So let's go back to where we were in the beginning here. When we are told that God rested on the seventh day, the connotation, again, is not one of the Lord taking a nap out of exhaustion. What's really going on here, now we understand we understand this Hebrew word, it's the picture instead of God intentionally celebrating, purposefully delighting in all that he had created. Manuha. Not God doing nothing, but God celebrating. God delighting in all that he had created. Think about it. Throughout the work of creation, God declares it is good, right? The creation of the Sabbath is the climax of that joy and contentment. Six days of it is good becomes the seventh day of life is good. All this delight, the peace and joy of creation is fused by God into a day of rest, into the act of resting. So the purpose of Sabbath, if that's what you're worried about, is not doing nothing. The purpose of Sabbath is the space and the time set aside to delight, to savor, to relish, to enjoy. It's to be filled with the kind of joy that results when things work together the way they were intended to be. It's to be filled with that peace that comes when just for a moment, even just for a moment, all is right in the world and in our lives. To rest as God designed it is to experience the peace and joy of literally being recreated, of having the default of our thoughts, our feelings, and our disposition reset inside of us. It's to be reoriented in terms of our perception of our present and our vision for the future. It is to rediscover our place and purpose in the larger plan of the Lord. If you are a person who finds yourself perpetually cynical, angry, if you are a person who thinks right now sucks and tomorrow is going to be worse, if you're a person who says, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand what God's doing. I don't understand where I fit in all of it. Then the Sabbath rest is for you to be reset, to be reoriented, to, be, to rediscover the answers that you're looking for. By the way, that's why we worship on the day we designate as the Sabbath. This is a place where in the act of worship, all these things we do and doing them together, it's intended to be a reset, a reorientation, a rediscovery of, yeah, this is who we are. 
Yes, this is who God is. Yes, this is what life's about. Because we forget. Because we go back to the old script. And if this seems all too heavy for you, and maybe this is just, wow, that's a lot, that's deep. Remember, to be recreated, that word recreate is where we get the word recreation from. Everything that I just described, when we enter into this time and space that God provides, everything that I just outlined for you, that's the work that God does in us, reorienting, recentering, resetting, rediscovering. That's the work God does in us while we rest, while we play. Sabbath rest is about delighting in good food and wine. So by the way, if that's not how you practice Sabbath, go to Trader Joe's after this service. Sabbath rest is about delighting in good food and wine, preparing it beforehand if that's work for you. But if you love to cook, preparing it right then and there because it's fun. Or if that's preparing it, having it is too much, go out to eat if that's even better. Sabbath rest is about delighting in the company of others, family and good friends, people we seek to know better. And you don't have to worry about scheduling that time with family, friends, or people you want to get to know better because God's already set aside time for you to do it. It's simply to say, well, this, I'm just entering into the time that God set. Want to join me? Sabbath rest is about delighting in the goodness of God, the goodness to be found in this world and in our lives in it. We spend so much of our time focusing on what's not good. What's not good out there. Hey God, what about this? And not good about us. And Sabbath is this space where in the midst of those things that still are troubling us, questioning us, we can go, let's talk about, let's reflect, let's dig deep. What's good? And you might surprise yourself, the things you're overlooking, the things that you're missing. It's delight that comes through feasting, singing, dancing. It's delight that comes through lively discussion and spirited debate that's always marked by humility and laughter. It's delight that comes through stories shared and memories being made together. It's delight that we can look forward to that you look forward to, and it's delight that you remember and take energy and life from when you're otherwise working. This is the life you were created for, a life of delight. Do you know this? Have you ever experienced it? God has set this apart for you. And like I said, it's the gift we just ignore. It's the gift we just continue to just say, no, thanks anyway, God. Your creator has given you a rhythm of rest one day a week, and multiple times and spaces of your choosing throughout the week to delight. Are you delighting? In anticipation of that Sabbath day, in thinking about those times and spaces of rest throughout your week, I'm going to encourage you to ask and listen to the voice of the Spirit within you in terms of this question, just this question. What would bring you deep, authentic joy and peace? What would bring you deep, authentic joy and peace and give glory to God? And in answering that question, I encourage you to be specific. I encourage you to be experimental. I encourage you to invite others to join you. And I encourage you to have fun with it. Because that's what God wants for us. That's what God created for us. And if that's too big, then for this week, start with this. Start with this. Breathing. You're like, well, I am. Yeah, you are. And breathing is a part of resting. But here's the thing. Most of us don't know how to breathe. 
yeah, you're breathing, but just like this is a reflection of everything else in our lives that we're talking about here, we're not breathing properly. We literally, and again, you can look this up too, science is showing us, we've literally forgotten how to breathe properly. And it's probably related to the pace and the busyness of our lives. Most of us aren't taking the full, deep, rejuvenating breaths that we're capable of, that we need to be healthy. Breathing incorrectly, if you're like, oh, whatever. Breathing incorrectly is negatively affecting us. And it has a lot to do with our posture, by the way. Part of the reason why we don't breathe correctly is our posture. You know why we don't breathe correctly? Because most of us, most of the time, are in a work-oriented posture. Do you know what a work-oriented posture is? We're hunched over. We're hunched over. Over a desk or just hunched over. Hear this. That hunching posture alone reduces our lung capacity by 30%. You're breathing 70% if you're still breathing correctly. So this is what I want you to do this week. This is what I'm, the practical, this is what I'm telling you to do. Lie down on your back. I'd have you do it here or it'd get really weird. But <laughs> Sit up against a wall in a chair with good support if lying down is not possible for you. And inhale slowly. Focus on your abdomen coming up and pressing against your hand. The other hand on your chest should stay still and then exhale smoothly, letting it out, tightening your abdominal muscles. Imagine when you're breathing out, when you're exhaling, that you're trying to make a candle flame flicker but not go out. Feel the pressure on the hand over your abdomen decrease. That right there, what I just described, is proper breathing, breathing the way God intended us to. That's just a a fraction of resting the way God intended. And I would encourage you to aim to do this. Can you do this three times a day for five to 10 minutes each time? Can you do it in the morning before you get out of bed? Can you do it at lunchtime when you stop to eat? If you stop to eat, but at least stop for five to 10 minutes just to breathe if you're not going to eat. Can you do it in the evening before you fall asleep? And I don't mean before you fall asleep when you've done everything else you want to do and then you're basically going to crash in two minutes and not breathe. Three times a week, that's what I'm challenging you to do, to breathe. Because breathing is resting. Breathe deeply and begin to delight. And with each deep breath that you take three times a day for five to ten minutes, deep breathely and think about how you can and will go even deeper in experiencing the rest that God has designed for us all. As you breathe for what's going to amount to what? Let's call it five minutes each time, 15 minutes a day. Take that 15 minutes to answer that question I gave you about what would you delight in? What would you delight in that would also give glory to God? Guys, all of our lives, all of life, operates on rhythms that are etched into the canvas of creation. We see it all around us. There's a rhythm the way the day fades into the night and the night gives rise to the morning. There's a rhythm as the vibrant growth of spring and summer gives way to the necessity of the dormancy of fall and winter. There's the tidal rhythm between the land and the sea and all these rhythms of nature that we see around us. They reflect the pre-established, divinely ordained rhythm of our lives, the rhythm of Sabbath, of resting in order to work, of delighting in the goodness we find in our lives and in our relationships in this world and through our God in Jesus Christ. We have mistakenly and dangerously muted this natural rhythm of Sabbath of rest through the breakneck speed of our lives, 
Most of us know only one speed for living, full steam ahead. And we've been stuck in that speed for a long time. And to keep pushing forward without taking adequate time for rest may seem heroic, but ultimately it is an act of divine defiance and assured self-destruction. We can find ourselves going at a frantic pace and never stop to ask, what is driving me? What is driving me? What is driving you? What is driving you? Is it fear? Is it the nagging insecurity that you are what you do? That you must prove yourself? That you must justify your existence day after day after day after day? One last time, you are not a machine. You are not a machine. You are not the Energizer Bunny. You are a human being. We were not made for 24-7. We were created to live 24-6. Instead of being driven by fear of what you have to do, God invites you to be led by love his love for you, his grace given to you to simply be. To become fully who you are in Christ. Not through what you do, but through what Jesus has done and continues to do in and through you. And what does God in Christ seek to do in and through us? It comes down to one word, love. God seeks in and through us, to have us love him, to have us love those around us, and to have us love ourselves. Beloved, loving well is resting well. Loving well is resting well. It's delighting in the opportunity to rest in the love that God has for us. It's delighting in the love that God seeks to share through us with the world. So stop and take a few deep breaths this week and enter into his rest the rhythm of delight our Creator has hardwired into us and all of life known as the Sabbath. In fact, as the praise team comes up and we're about to hear a piece of special music, why don't you start doing that right now? Amen. Amen.